welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 15th of May 2011, entitled, The Impossible Becomes Possible, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 18, verse 27. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Luke chapter 18. I'll invite you, we're just going to read one verse to start with, and then we're going to go back and we're going to take this chapter by sections. And I hope just give you a few very simple thoughts of encouragement this evening. Luke chapter 18 uh, and verse 27, as we stand uh, to read God's holy word. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Father, we thank you again this evening that we have your word, that we have this privilege, Lord, to be gathered here this evening in your house with your word in our presence and for your spirit that lives and dwells within. Father, we just pray now that you would take and, Lord, over these next moments together, Lord, as we look into your word, that it could be a time, Lord, that your word could speak to the hearts of each one. Lord, you know the burdens that are carried. You know the needs that are here. We pray that you would speak as only you can, that our hearts would be open to what you have for us. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen and amen. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I guess that my, my mind actually came to this verse this morning. You know, I, I didn't have the sermon title in your bulletin this morning for this evening because I was still struggling between a couple of different things of what to, uh, to preach on. And of course, as we were continuing in our series this morning on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the necessity of those things, one of the things that we mentioned in that sermon is that, you know, in actual fact, without God, without Jesus Christ working through us through the power of that Holy Spirit, then nothing would be accomplished, nothing in our lives or in the church. Nothing that we do in the flesh is going to matter for eternity, that it was impossible for us. And of course, this verse came to mind here in verse 27, and he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. How many times? Last, last week, we, we looked on the morning, if I'm not mistaken, on conquering our fears, you know, so many times there, there are so many things around us that we, can, that we can be afraid of, that we're fearful of, and of course, uh, that can come from a lot of different places. Sometimes we just feel like we are in impossible situations. Sometimes we feel like that there is absolutely no way out. We just feel it all coming in on us. And of course, sometimes we're not wrong. Sometimes it really is impossible within ourselves. But that's why I want to encourage you this evening that, you know, we talked about last week the fact that it might be perceived, it might be real, those fears may just be imagined, nothing ever come of them. But I'm talking about even when it's your worst case scenario, when it really is totally, completely impossible, there is no answer, there is no way out, there is no way around this, then I'm saying that's fine. Because it's okay for things to be impossible with us. 
because we have a God with whom nothing, nothing, nothing you can think of, nothing that you can imagine, there's nothing big enough, there's nothing mean enough that can be impossible for our God. With him, nothing is impossible. Now, I want us to just take a, a glimpse at this chapter here where this, this verse is contained within. You see, the impossible becomes possible, first of all, in prayer. Look back in chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Speaking of Jesus, says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. He would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You see, it's kind of an unusual parable when we think about it. He's talking about a woman going before an unjust judge that didn't care anything about God and didn't care anything about man. But he's trying to teach them a lesson. That she went, the simple fact was he really didn't care. But boy, she just kept pleading and she kept pleading and she kept at him and she kept at him until finally in the end, he just said, yes, we're going to do this thing. Why? To get rid of her. Now, he's not saying to us that that's the way it is with God. But he's using that as a contrast. He said, if an unjust judge that cares nothing about God and nothing about people through someone pleading with him and caring with him in the end will do that thing. What about a God that is just? A God that cares? What about his very own, his very elect? Do you not think that God will avenge them? I'm saying that Many times it's hard for us to grasp. I have, I have studied and read about prayer all of my life, and I still don't understand it. I know what it is, and I know what it accomplishes, but I sure don't understand why it works a lot of times. I don't understand all the things that are about it. It's a phenomenal subject to study in the Word of God. God already knows everything anyway. He knows everything we need better than we need it. He knows what we're going to ask for before we ask for it. We could come to, you know, a real fatalistic view and say, well, you know, we really don't need to pray anything because God already knows it anyway, so why speak it? But the fact is, prayer makes such a difference. We said this morning when we're speaking of the miracles of healing and things in this line, you know, that just because we know that the apostolic age is gone, and some of those sign gifts went with it, 
By the same token, we still serve the same God. That God still is a God that is able to do anything that is needed to doing, and prayer is one of the ways that we get through to that God. I'm saying that in your life, he says, pray, pray, and to keep on praying. The simple truth is, is that's what we need to do when, when we're there, when it really is an impossible situation. I'm saying one thing the Bible teaches each and every one of us is that we can always be on our face before God, and we've got a God that cares. We've got a God that has promised that he will hear and answer our prayer. We've got a God that knows exactly what you need. We've got a God that is absolutely no way that he's going to let anything come into your life that's going to bring you harm. You see, through prayer, through a prayer of faith, we're not talking about some mechanical religious recipe that we go through. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When you're facing an impossible situation, the impossible can become possible in prayer. But notice something else here. In verses 9 through 14, he says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. We've got it all right. Man, those others, they, they've, they've just, you know, they're a mess. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I'm saying that the impossible becomes possible when a sinner humbles himself before a holy God. You see, doesn't matter how low, doesn't matter where those sins have taken us, doesn't matter what you deserve because you've messed up and you got it wrong. It becomes possible with God. Even with the lowest, vilest sinner, it becomes possible for God to save that wretched soul. He teaches us in this parable here of the Pharisee and the publican that it's possible in oneself to just feel good about themselves and think what a pretty good Christian person they are. Things are okay. But he says the one that's getting through to God is the one that just recognizes he's just a sinner. And he humbles himself. He can call out to God. You see, the simple truth is the impossible becomes possible when you will humble yourself before Christ. First of all, in saving our souls, but then right through our Christian life. We can't go to God to help us out of this situation because we deserve it, because we've been so good, 
because we've done so much for him, because we've been so faithful in all of these things. No, we cry out to God for mercy. I'm saying God will hear our prayers, and God will attend our presence when we're willing to humble ourselves and recognize, no, God, we don't deserve it, but Jesus Christ does. The impossible might remain impossible. If you can't get around your pride and your haughtiness and your feel-good-about-yourself attitude, when we recognize. No, because sometimes, you know, sometimes the old devil just wants to beat up on you with that stick. <laughs> you don't deserve it. How can you ask God to help you out of this? You don't deserve it. He's right. You don't deserve it. The fact is, God cares. The fact is, nobody deserved it, but Jesus did. So the simple truth is, is that whatever that situation is, however impossible that it might be, the impossible becomes possible in prayer. The impossible becomes possible not just in prayer, but in the prayer of the humble, of the one that's willing to go to God and not just pray and feel like you deserve it and you need it, but to go to God right where you are. Say, God, I don't deserve it, but I know. I know that you love me, and I know that you'll answer this prayer. I like something else here. He shows us in the next couple of verses. The impossible becomes possible. Notice what he says in verse 15. And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. What's God showing us here? I believe he's showing us both a very practical and a very spiritual truth. The impossible becomes possible when even the small child can understand the most profound truth ever told. What hope is there for our children? What hope is there for our children in a, in a society? We talked this morning in the Bible study time. We're looking at the patriarch Abraham. We're looking at him standing outside that, that city of Sodom. And, of course, God is getting ready to bring down his wrath upon that city. But Abraham begins to plead and to beg. If there's 50, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's only 10 righteous people in there, God, will you save that city? No, God said yes, even for the sake of 10. But their sin had reached a point that we don't find Abraham finding anybody righteous in that city. Truth is, is that we live in Societies today, when we can look around us, and yes, we can see it's impossible. How can our children ever have a chance? How can our grandchildren have a hope? I can tell you how. Because the impossible becomes possible in God when that child, your child, your grandchild, whoever that it might be, 
when that child can understand the most profound truth, the impossible becomes possible. And of course, we can find that just as surely that spiritual application is there because he says that whosoever is going to enter his kingdom is going to come as a little child, <laughs> going to come as that little child. We can think of a lot of things about those children that he might be able to be teaching us there, but I think that he's really showing us just in his simplest form, just, just come like that child. You know, that child is just so trusting. That child will go wherever you take them. That child has their confidence and their faith in you. They trust you. The child knows that, knows that that love is there. The simple truth is that spiritually we come to God as that little child with complete trust. Doesn't it just get you when that little one looks into your eyes? They think you can do no wrong. <laughs> no matter what's broke, you can fix it. <laughs> No matter what the problem is, you can take care of it. You see, that's what God said. Come to me like that. Come to me like that little child. Understand. The simple truth is, is that, well, we can't fix everything. But boy, our spiritual father can. <laughs> we can truly go to him in that way, knowing that no matter how impossible that it is, trust him. Come just like that little child with absolute, total faith and trust in him. The impossible becomes possible in prayer. In prayer from a humble person that will call upon God. That will come to God just like that little child with that simple childlike faith of just trusting and knowing that it's okay with the Father. Dad can fix it. Dad can sort this out. That's the way God wants us to come to him. Notice in the next verses, I believe that we see something else in verses 18 to 27. He says, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto them, yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men, are possible with God. Now, they're speaking specifically. They're shocked that this rich man can't be saved. This man that's done all this good, and he's lived a good life, and yet 
You know, if this man can't be saved, who can? What hope is there for anybody? But notice when he gives them his answer. Notice in verse 27, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. He doesn't just specifically say, well, that one thing God can do. Even though that rich man and tied up in his riches and he can't get through to God because of that, God can take care of that thing. That's not what the Bible says. The things, plural. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God can take care of that because it's just one thing. It doesn't matter what the thing is. It doesn't matter how impossible that it is with man. It's possible with God. The impossible becomes possible. You know, for the impossible to become possible, we have got to be delivered from all of the allurements of this world. You see, that was this rich man's fault. That was his problem. It wasn't because that he was rich that he couldn't be saved. It was because he couldn't let go of those riches for the Lord. It was because they were more important to him than the Lord. I'm not so sure that if he had been willing just to absolutely throw all of it out there, God would have probably gave him more and just blessed him beyond measure. But the problem was he realized something. He was willing. He was willing to try to live the good life and to follow and, and to do all the good things that he needed to do in order to be a Christian, in order to enter the kingdom. But he wasn't willing to let go of the things in this world that meant so much to him. He couldn't let go. It was impossible for him to be saved because of his eyes upon the things, the allurements, the things of this world that simply meant more to him, meant too much to him for him to let go and to be willing to just give it all to the Lord. You see, it's possible. It's possible for God to deliver us from even the most tempting and the most binding allurements of this world if we truly, genuinely will go to him, genuinely with all of our hearts. Nowhere in the Bible does it say e that it's easy, and you've heard me say this time and time again in, in, in different sermons. Nowhere does the Bible say that it is easy or that it will be easy to let go of the world, to turn our back on the world, and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Nowhere does it say it's easy. Simple to understand. That's a simple truth. Nobody said it was easy, but it's got to be done. As long as there's something in this world that's holding us back, then it's impossible for us to follow him. But the impossible, the impossible becomes possible with God. When our lives are delivered the bondage of whatever that it might be. It might be the, the monetary things. It might be the excitement. Whatever it is in this world, when we are set free from that, boy, the impossible becomes possible. Notice he says next, and we're going to look at verses 28 to 30. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man 
that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. The impossible becomes possible. Very similar to the other one when we, the rich man could not tear himself away from those allurements of the things that he had. Here it's just a bit more personal. personal. It's the relationships. He's talking about those that are the closest and those possessions that he has, those very necessities. I mean, you're talking about the roof over my head. You know, the rich man had everything, and he wasn't willing to, to let go of those riches. But here we're talking about family. We're talking about the necessities, the house right over my head. He says, if you'll sacrifice those things for me, though, he said, you not only be blessed in this world, but in the one to come as well. You see, the impossible becomes possible. We sing it so many times. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. We sing those words. But how much meaning do they really have from our hearts? That's what's being talked about here, surrendering it all. The simple truth is, it may seem, like you're getting right down to the very essentials, the very necessities, the very things that you need and are the dearest to you in this life. Jesus says, I know it sounds crazy, but if you're willing to really just surrender it all, if you're willing to sacrifice it all for me, I like what he promises there who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. The Lord's promise. I know. I know it seems impossible. And so many times some of the things in this world seem impossible. But the simple truth is, with God, the impossible becomes possible. That happens when we will willingly, genuinely surrender it all for him. That's the one thing that matters above all else. You see, do we trust him? On the one hand, we know, just like, can you imagine, can you imagine what it must have been like for Abraham when he was laying Isaac upon that altar? Can you imagine what it must have been like we didn't really understand it all as we read about it in the, in the Old Testament. What it must have been like as he literally raised that knife to sac make that sacrifice, and yet we don't find until we get over in the New Testament, he never had a doubt. <laughs> he was literally, he gave it all to God. He was doing exactly what God's, but he never had a doubt. It was his faith all along. He knew that God would supply the sacrifice. Do we have that kind of confidence and faith that we're willing to put that which is dearest to us on the altar and just trust God? Boy, <laughs> we might look around and say, Lord, are you coming through or not? <laughs> Do we just trust that he will? He will. There's no doubt about it. Let's do what he asks of us. The impossible becomes possible. 
I want you to notice and we're going to we're going to skip verses 31 to 34. We're going to come back to them. I want us to take the last section first, verses 35 to 43. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh into Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. When he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. I'm saying that the impossible will become possible in your life. When, when it's not the world... It's not your job. It's not your family. It's not the security in the bank. It's not any of those things that you're crying out to and that you're looking to to get you out of that impossible situation. When just like this blind man, you cry out for mercy to the only one that matters, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the one. Do we understand that in the end, there is nothing else in all of this world. You know, I'm sure that there's some of you right here tonight that you have enough love, enough compassion, enough caring in your bodies that maybe that person sitting beside you right now, you would not let them down for anything in the world. But I'm saying, folks, as human beings, we will let people down sometimes consciously, sometimes completely unconsciously. What we find here, though, this blind man, this blind man has no sight whatsoever, but, boy, he just believed. If he could just, just get his request to Jesus, he'd receive his sight. In simple, in simple mercy is all he asked for. Lord, have mercy upon me. And that's today. I don't care how impossible that it is. You see, these aren't deep theological truths that you've got to memorize some word that's 40 miles long that you'll never be able to remember. You've got to go through step 1 through 20 in order to be able, and you can't get one out of order or you've blown it all together. This is simple. God gives us this illustration after illustration after illustration and we sum it up here. Notice, notice what he says back there in verses 31 to 34. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. 
they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. They understood none of these things. This saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. They're recorded in God's Word for us. We understand them now. Even the disciples, as he was speaking them there, they didn't understand what this was all about. You see, the impossible became possible. And all these things that we've looked at, in all of these parables, and all of these illustrations that are given to us here, the prayer, the humility, the coming with that childlike faith and trust, the being delivered from the great allurements of this world and being willing to, to sacrifice even those things that might be our, our necessities, the things that are closest to us, when we are willing to just cry out for mercy to Jesus Christ. In all of this, the impossible only becomes possible because of what we see in these verses right here that even those disciples didn't understand at that moment. The impossible becomes possible because Jesus did go to Jerusalem. They did scourge him. And they did nail him to that tree. And the third day they did find an empty tomb. I'm happy to report to you. Folks, I'm saying today, he overcame everything. We can have total, absolute confidence in everything that we've said here because Jesus did go and die on that cross. And he was raised the third day. He was everything that he said that he was. He was all that he said that he was. And it's absolute proof to us that it was everything that God needed. Because if there had been one sin, one tiny sin that was left not taken care of, by his sacrifice, he wouldn't have come out of that grave the third day because death would have held him. But the sacrifice was sufficient. He did conquer it all. He is our resurrected Lord that is alive today. We could face, and you know, I wish that I could stand before you and I could tell you that, yes, as your pastor, I'm so spiritual. I, boy, I never worry about anything. <laughs> I never let these things get me down because I know that God will take care of it. But the simple truth is, sometimes we all need to be reminded of these verses. We can start to feel sorry for ourselves. We can start to feel like that, boy, this is just totally, completely impossible. But I want to remind you that the Word of God, and if we have any hope, if we have any hope, this has got to be true. And if God's Word isn't true, then we got no hope anyway. And it's God's Word that says, the things, the things, the things, whatever they might be, the things, the things that are impossible with man, the things, plural, anything that is impossible with man, the things that are impossible with man, he says, with men are possible with God. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. All because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, without what he did, we couldn't put any of this into practice. 
You see, we couldn't go to him in any way, humbly, trusting, mercifully. We couldn't do any of it except for Jesus Christ. And so the simple truth is this evening, if we can learn how that it applies in all of these ways, the impossible, the things that are impossible, whatever is impossible with you, it became possible with God. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross for you and he rose the third day, and that you, today, you have that access to that God because of him, because of his completed work. Because you see, if you want to put it even more simple, all of this is showing us one simple truth, the impossible, the most impossible thing that you could possibly face, every impossible thing that you can possibly face, the impossible became possible in Jesus. In Jesus. If you have Jesus Christ this evening in your life, then all things are possible. I don't care. I don't care how unbelievably impossible that it is. The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Nothing. Nothing is too big for him. And that's in your life this evening. Nothing if you have Jesus Christ. Because that's when, truly, the impossible becomes possible with Jesus. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, as we've looked at these simple truths, Lord, as we look on the outward, we see these that are here in this congregation this evening. Lord, in our hearts, we would assume and think that all of these are saved and on their way to glory. But Lord, you know the hearts this evening. And Lord, I know that this world can dish out some pretty impossible things sometimes. But I pray this evening that you would speak to the hearts and minds of each one and let them know that nothing is impossible with you, that in Jesus Christ, the impossible becomes possible. And of course, for that first thing of all, of most all, Lord, is that their sins would be forgiven. So I pray that you would use these simple words of this portion of Scripture this evening to be an encouragement, a strength to each of these, Lord. You know what they might be facing in their life right now? Help them to understand very simply, if they've got Jesus, if they trust him, they have everything. The world can take the rest of it. Let it go. There is nothing, there is nothing that they can lose that matters in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. And we'd be able to walk from this place with our heads held high because we know that in Christ, in him, the impossible just became possible. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.